Hello and welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug. I'm pastor at Faith Lutheran Church in Shelton, Washington. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We're going to read from the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. The ministry of Jesus did not fit the expectations of the religious people of his day. In today's reading, Jesus urges them to think out, and all of us really, to think outside the box, to explore new paradigms. New wine, he says, must be poured into new wineskins. Today I want to share first a clear word of encouragement from God. I also want to share some fresh ways about how we might be God's people. Finally, I want to invite us all to be a zucchini church, and I'll tell you what that means. As always, you're going to want your Bible handy. In the podcast notes below, you'll find links to our website, to Bible references, and to worship resources. Let's begin with prayer. Oh God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, by paths as yet untrodden through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, verse 27, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. It says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, as do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. And then he told him this parable. No one tears a piece of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new anyway, for they say the old is better. Here ends the reading. Now, Levi was one of the first, really, to be called by name to follow Jesus. Well, we think his name is Levi. Luke and Mark say that his name is Levi, but Matthew calls him Matthew, himself, we presume. Names seem to be pretty fluid back in those days. The Bible doesn't seem to be too worried about small differences in these stories, so I don't worry too much either. Anyway, Levi, or Matthew, throws a big party, invites his co-workers and their families. They're all tax collectors, all working for the IRS, the Israelite Revenue Service. A party with Jesus was kind of a big deal, and the house was packed. But the religious leaders and the paparazzi were miffed. They assumed that any self-respecting Messiah would be opposed to, well, anything that was fun. They complained to Jesus' disciples, Why do you all eat and drink with sinners and tax collectors? Well, Peter and the others just respond with a grin. 
Because Jesus had come up behind the complainers and heard their question. Jesus puts his hands on the shoulders of two of the priests, lean forward, and says to them quietly, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to hand out fitness awards, but to rehabilitate the injured and the sick. Yeah, they say, but a real Messiah would teach people to fast and pray, and here you are eating and, eating and drinking. To which Jesus responds, a real Messiah teaches people how to fast when it's appropriate to fast, and also teaches people how to do the conga when celebration is appropriate. <laughs> and then he tells them these two parables. First, he says, you don't take a brand new unwashed shirt, cut out a big swath of it, and then use it to patch an old threadbare tattered shirt. Why not? Well, because you ruin a perfectly good shirt. And the new patch won't match the old shirt anyway. It's going to be the wrong color, the wrong fabric, the wrong size. Second, he says, you don't try to age new wine in old used wineskins. That's because the fermentation process of the new wine requires a container that's flexible and able to expand. Now, in those days, they, uh, a wineskin was made out of goat skin. Don't ask me how that all worked, but it makes sense. Um, an older wineskin is going to burst and crack. It doesn't have the flexibility. Um, so you need a new wineskin, otherwise you end up wasting the wine and ruining the old wineskin. No, he says, new wine belongs in new, fresh wineskins. To do otherwise, it'd be what we would say today, putting a, a square peg in a round hole or trying to smell the color nine. It just doesn't fit. The pure gospel message today is that Jesus has come to show us that God welcomes sinners, all of us. God isn't waiting for you or me to get our acts together. God doesn't have some sort of a litmus test we have to pass or a series of hoops we have to go through. God loves you and me. God comes to you and me and welcomes us just as we are. Henry Blackaby, a, a Baptist pastor and, and teacher, says, God is more interested in a love relationship with you than in what you can do for God. What an important thing to remember. God is more interested in a love relationship with you than in what you can do for God. It's all about grace. It's about a love relationship with God. Forgiven and beloved sinners sharing a good meal and a good drink with Jesus. Folks, this is the word for you today. You are loved. You are not alone. Jesus came to welcome and save sinners like us. This is the new wine that Jesus is talking about. Jesus is also making the point that the kingdom of God that he's announcing and ushering in is not just the same old, same old. Jesus, his message, his ministry, well, they were new. Jesus had not come just to patch things up. He came to clothe people in brand new garments, garments of praise. Jesus wasn't just a really good version of the Old Testament. He was a New Testament, the new wine of the gospel, fermenting with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it calls for fresh wineskins. This is what the church over the centuries has learned about God and uh, that God is always making things new. And, and subsequently, God is inviting the church over and over the, throughout the centuries to find fresh ways to share the good news with others. I think that now is a really good time to be thinking about fresh wineskins for the church today. After all, we're in a global pandemic 
And our primary business model is a weekly gathering in public of more than 50 people at a time, most of whom are, um, shall we say, chronologically gifted and otherwise immunocompromised. And we have to ask, is this the new normal? And what about the annual rummage sale or faith acts? How many people can we have in the sanctuary if we need to be six feet apart? Or will everything eventually go back to exactly the way it was, but how long will that take and how long will that last? And is that really what we should be hoping for anyway? Because if the gospel, the gospel message is the new wine, and and if how we operate as a church is the wineskin, then given our situation, I want to invite us at least a little bit to think about trying on a new wineskin, a new approach, what I would call zucchini church. And to tell you what that means, first I need to tell you about wildfires and cottonwoods. So we moved to the Bitterit Valley of western Montana back in 2010. About a decade earlier, a massive wildfire had ravaged the hillsides that had once been mature, thick forests of ponderosa pine and Douglas fir. From our vantage point down across the valley, we'd look up at the hillsides and they were brown and barren that first spring. Black stumps were all that remained of the once grand forest scape, or so we thought. Early that first summer, Brendan and I decided to go scramble cross-country up the side of Ward Mountain, which rose high above on the west side of Hamilton. I mean, how hard could it be to pick a path through a barren hillside? Well, it didn't take us long to realize how wrong we had been. That hillside was thick with countless bushes, brush, young growth, and seedlings spread under, around, and through scores of fallen trees and boulders. There was life everywhere. There was green everywhere. We just couldn't see it from the distance. And that's the first key to being a zucchini church, is to look for and to recognize that God is at work everywhere. You just can't always see it from far away. In that same Montana Valley a century earlier, a wealthy copper king named Marcus Daly planted a couple hundred cottonwood trees along the road that led from Hamilton to his private ranch, the stock farm. Thanks to Marcus Daly, my morning jogs along Tamney Lane were graced with dozens of majestic towering cottonwoods on either side of the road. The problem was that now, a century later, they were all dying. Every year, another tree carcass would come crashing onto the road during a windstorm or blizzard. Tree specialists had noted that all the trees were diseased and dying. But the city determined that the cost was prohibitive to try to remove them all. So to this day, the trees are beautiful and all the trees will come crashing down eventually. And that's the second key to being a zucchini church. It's to recognize both the value and limitations of big. Big can take a lot of resources and no matter what you do, eventually they all die. And they may even fall on your head if you aren't careful. So this spring, Brenda and I are going to plant a couple of zucchini starts in the garden. Okay, Brenda is going to plant a couple of zucchini starts in the garden this spring. A healthy zucchini plant produces an amazing quantity of fruit. 
And even the healthiest zucchini plant dies every fall. And no one ever looks back and wonders what went wrong, why a healthy plant died, because that's not the point of a zucchini plant. The measure of a zucchini plant is how much it produces, not how long it lasts. And that's the third key to being a zucchini church. Think small, plant early, and plant often. You know, in John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Maybe Jesus was talking about zucchini vines. Anyway, these three images combine to form the mindset of being a zucchini church. First, recognizing that God is at work all around us, right under our noses. Second, appreciating the blessings and limitations of big. And third, thinking small, planting early and often. So first, today, I want you to simply enter into the party. Receive God's hospitality. We might not be able to gather in a sanctuary Sunday morning, but right here, right now, you are in communion with God, with the whole Christian church, and maybe with family or neighbors, PJs, coffee, and pastry in hand. You are loved. God is more interested in relating with you than in getting something from you. Second, take a few minutes now and into the coming week to look for and celebrate the Holy Spirit's work all around you, in your kids, in the garden, in the video that makes you laugh, in the Bible passage or podcast that was just what you needed to hear. Third, take a deep breath and lament the fact that we can't get together for worship. Look, I miss it. I miss you. It sucks to be isolated. Oh, can I say that in church? Fourthly, just for fun, go plant a zucchini this week. You can buy seeds or starter plants at the local nursery. They're open for business and they need our support. Watch the zucchini grow. And over the course of the next few weeks, every time you look at that zucchini plant, pray for our farmers. Pray for the health of God's creation. Marvel at the gift of life. And then as the zucchini start to get, be harvested, learn new recipes and, and share those recipes, share those, um, share those baked goods with friends. And if your plant dies, when it dies, plan to plant a new one next year or even later this summer. And finally, fifthly, I think it is, if you want to have more fun, plant a zucchini church. Look around at what God is doing, small, simple, wholesome, and adds value to our community and planet. Look at those sorts of things that God is doing and figure out a way to, to plant it, to water it, and to participate in God's Zucchini Church. Zucchini Church, host a time with friends and family on Zoom to talk and pray and even share communion. Make it a monthly or weekly thing. Zucchini Church, do something to promote community in your neighborhood or apartment complex. Sit on your porch, this, uh, your front porch this summer. Greet people as they walk by. Get to know the names and faces and stories of the people next door. Pull weeds or, or pick up trash along your street or in the courtyard. Zucchini Church, learn to make face masks and gowns and start a campaign to collect and distribute them to people in need. Zucchini Church, give or raise money for a local or global need. 
You can click the donate button on this podcast or the church website and give an extra donation to Community Lifeline in Shelton or to Living Stones Prison Congregation or to aid Nicaraguan refugees through Corner of Love. Zucchini Church, write a song, make a video, draw a picture that honors God and brightens your day, and then post it on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or use space or whatever's out there. Folks, the Holy Spirit is bringing life and kingdom and new wine and hope and growth and fruit all over the place. May we be a zucchini church, eyes open to seeing what God is up to, always planting, always growing, always bearing fruit, always dying, and always being made new. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for, the, for being at work in the world. Give us eyes to see the new things you're doing and the imagination to bless the people around us. It's a hard season for many, God. People are scared, uncertain about the future. They're lonely, bored, longing for hope. Send your Holy Spirit to us and through us to bring encouragement and faith. Help our leaders work together to make wise decisions for the future. And into your hands we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's We'll Preach for Food podcast. Thank you, Chaz, for your production work. Thank you, people of faith, for your mercy and grace. You can access other episodes of this podcast through our website, www.faithshelton.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts and Spotify or Google Podcasts or any other way you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to like us. And while you're at it, post a comment or share this link with a friend. And remember to be kind and respectful these days. Everyone is afraid. They're afraid for their livelihood or employment. They're afraid for their health. They're afraid for their political freedoms. Everyone's afraid. So more than ever, heed the words of the Bible. Live as free people, it says in 1 Peter chapter 2. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Rather, show proper respect to everyone. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace, the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.